Hello, everyone, and welcome to Zoom Out. I'm your host, Scott Paracchio. I'm a physical therapist by trade, but one of my favorite aspects of my job is the opportunity to build meaningful human connections. Within the setting that I'm most familiar, my clients are often going through the most traumatic experiences of their lives when I feel human connection is most important. In my experience, moving through these traumatic events with individuals allows people who are otherwise very different to build strong and meaningful relationships with one another. The goal of this podcast is to build these same meaningful relationships in our everyday lives by having discussions meant to bridge gaps that we perceive in our own relationships with others. Against the current backdrop of global pandemic, economic crisis, and political strife, there is no better time than now to zoom out away from our own myopic viewpoints and come together as what we all are, human. In each episode, two topics will be discussed with this idea in mind, one chosen by myself and the other by my guest. No topics are off the table. Joining me on the podcast today is Mira Cho. And with that, let's get started. How are you doing, Mira? Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Scott. Hi. Thanks so much for having me. How are you doing today in general? Yeah, great. I mean, it's um, a little bit hard to say great because, you know, I think we all have difficult days. There's a lot of people not having great days right now given the backdrop of the global pandemic, but I live in California and it's the first sunny day in a while. And I went, uh, I went for a walk outside. And so it yeah. kind of reminded me of the, the joy of living here. Yeah, for sure. With everything going on and just something that I'm curious about is like stress levels. I think everybody's on, on different, different levels from like a, like a personal stress standpoint. If you had to rate your stress from like zero to 10, what do you, what do you think it is right now? Yeah, that's such a good question. I think that's something that's changing rapidly for all of us every day. Um, today, it's really not that high. And I think for me, one of the fundamental things about stress is that it really should be around the idea of, are you going to be able to eat? Are you going to get eaten today? And, yeah. and I know the answer is no. And so I feel really good. Um, if you had asked me that question on Thursday or something, I think I would have said that it was actually a very high stress level because of yeah. the number of tasks to manage. Um, yeah. I would say it's probably about a five overall. Yeah. Okay. In the week. I think it's like, uh, at least, at least for me through this time, I can compartmentalize a little bit and it's, I have the general sense that, you know, the world is kind of going to shit right now. And we're at this huge tipping point, uh, not only with coronavirus, the environment and uh, kind of as a society on a whole, I think we're, we're wandering towards some more dangerous places, but I think similar for you, it's like, I'm, I'm in a place where I can actually look at and, and focus in on like me as a, as an individual in that system and probably say that, you know, the stress is, the stress is pretty low on an individual level. I'm not being forced to, to work in a place where I'm interacting with people that may be not uh, abiding by social distancing or forced to be in a hospital setting where I'm having to treat people that are actively contagious with COVID-19. It's important to say, okay, well, I, I understand that everybody else is stressed right now and be very appreciative of my own personal place and space that I have away from all of that. It's given me a lot of gratitude during this time to, to be appreciative that I'm not in those shoes and, and really appreciative and thankful for all those who are, who are doing those things for us. That's really interesting to hear, Scott. I've had a pretty similar reaction. I think this is probably why we're, you know, friends and get along. But one of the things that you brought up about stress is that with the immediate transfer kind of of this, you, you, you know, we saw the world hit this switch and everybody who could work from home, which wasn't everybody by yeah. any means, switched over to working from home. And I, I really strongly have this belief that people distract themselves to get away from like the essential pain of life. And so there's kind of two ways of dealing with stress and there's two kinds of people. And so I've watched this happen the last three or four weeks and I'm still thinking about it every day that there's kind of the people that deal with stress by going into checklist mode and just doing all the things that they would do. And they're, they're really just trying to go ahead and maybe, you know, cover it up. In, in my opinion, they're cranking out a ton of work. We've shipped more features than we ever have. And then there's a different type of person that likes to kind of step back, uh, zoom out, if you will, and look at the overall landscape and understand what it is that's actually happening. And I'm doing the second thing right now. It's been the opposite of a boon on productivity. I feel completely paralyzed when it comes to a lot of normal tasks, but it's so interesting thinking about the other stuff. The, the whole idea behind uncertain times 
leading to stress for most people. Uh, uncertainty is something that we all live with. It's something that we all kind of develop coping mechanisms for. And we grow into these sort of personal patterns and, you know, lots of people seek therapy for this and stuff like that. But you, you do it by not looking objectively at what's in front of you and seeking a comfort state. And so the people that are going into checklist mode, at least the work people that I know, they seem like they're seeking this comfort state, whereas the world has changed. And I don't, I don't know that it's going back anytime soon. It's going to be well into summer, maybe 12 or 18 months before we really revert. And what does reversion even mean? So I feel like putting in the work now to sort of understand what it means to you personally and what, what goals are and things like that are really important. And I think another reason why my stress levels are low overall, despite having just moved house in the middle of this, kind of yeah. switched job roles and, and being an extreme extrovert, lost, having lost most of my social outlets, it's just that, you know, it's, I think there's a lot of inherently interesting and good stuff in what's happening here, including um, some of what you said, just helping our friends on the front lines. So many different efforts happening to deliver food, to put up websites, to get PPE out and distributed that I see uh, and I'm part of every day. And so I just think it's, it's a time to just completely relinquish any expectations that we had, blow everything up and maybe just go into the future, hopefully with, um, with, with, with blinders off. And that, that's a yeah. very hard thing to do. Yeah, I agree. For everybody. I agree. And before we get too deep into this, I think uh, a lot of, a lot of what you're saying to me is, is, is painting a picture of who you are um, as an individual and, and and this isn't the the topic question that I want to discuss today, but I but I want I want to know what uh, like if you had to describe yourself as a human being, how would you do that? Who is who is Mircho? <laughs> that's such a funny tr- that's such a funny question to try to answer for yourself. I think the answer probably has something to do with curiosity, wandering, and exploring. It's you know I'm a I'm a product manager by trade. I live in Oakland, California. I grew up in the New York area. And I've just always liked poking around different things. And so working in the field I do sort of tells you a little bit about me because I, I don't like to talk about work all the time because I don't believe that it at all represents anything that anyone you know does. But it kind of requires that you are pretty shit poor at two or three things, but then have to do them all together anyway. And actually, that's really what I like to do. I like to learn about new fields and I like to combine them it's probably fair to describe myself as kind of like a jack of all trades, but a master of absolutely none of them. In terms of like uh, new learning, is this something that you are going to actively seek out um, outside of your professional life? Is this, is this something that you're doing in, in your personal life as well? Or is, or does it, does it stay mostly professional when you're talking about learning new tasks? Well, I love, I love the topic of even talking about learning about new tasks. It's compulsory for me. I have to do it. It's like breathing. So uh, yeah, there are times when it's restricted to work. I think one of the reasons I like working in uh, the the role in the field that I do is that it constantly forces you to learn about new things, new technologies, um, new strategies, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, definitely learning a lot about different things on a personal level right now. Some hobbies, you know, exercise stuff is always, is always a hobby. I'm always trying to learn more about metabolic pathways and things like that. Um, languages. I mean, right now, I think it's, that's definitely taking a back burner because of some of the personal things with, you know, shifting around, residence, work, COVID stuff. There's plenty to learn out there. It's, I mean, I learned a ton about industrial adhesives the other day. We're trying to source an adhesive to glue two mask parts together. And it's like, yeah, there's, there's some, there's some crazy adhesives out there. So, uh, you know, it's, it's definitely taking a backseat right now. It's not formal is what I would say. The big, the big question that I have and what we could probably talk about for hours, but I will, I will cut it <laughs> just so you have the floor for a little while is what up to this point has been the most impactful moment or event in your life? That's such a good question. That's such a good question to unite all sorts of people. Right. So if you need it, if you need a minute to think on it, please take it. I want you to have that space. You know, I, I don't know that these things can be just distilled down to moments. I'm not sure that that's the way it works all the time, but uh, you know, I would say there's a couple. And so for me as kind of a kid that grew up with like an immigrant background experience and, you know, overall had like a, a, a disagreement 
an ongoing disagreement with my kind of family and parents coming into the world, which I still have. That's where like a lot of my personality and coping stuff comes from. But, um, you know, it's made me really independent and really resistant. A lot of my adult life and childhood life and, and very resourceful and that's kind of the backdrop. But I would actually say one of the bigger moments or maybe it's not a moment, but it's more of like an event in my life was being really, really healthy and then getting, getting a pretty bad injury when I was like 27 or 28 that changed the way that I looked at the body, the body mind, fitness, nutrition, and everything in between. And so I'm incredibly thankful for that injury now. And it flares up all the time, but it's, it's kind of taught me to manage things. And that's been actually an incredible source of information. Yeah, it's interesting. If somebody is going through something, uh, you need to build knowledge around what has occurred. You need to reflect on what happened. You need to have the foresight to recognize like everything that led up to, let's use that injury for an example. All the, all the things like related to diet and lifestyle that maybe had been occurring before that point that influenced that. Uh, and then obviously like your understanding and knowledge of anatomy and, and metabolism and recovery, all of those things, how it influenced you afterwards. So it doesn't happen again. Right. And I think that's, that's the common thread through all of, all of that. Like even, even through like your, your childhood experiences, I don't know anything about your, like, like your family at all, but it's like, you've obviously reflected on those experiences and did the same type of learning to hopefully prevent that scenario or whatever it is. I don't know if it was positive or negative. Sure. But I mean, you have you, to know your tendencies. Right. Right. To, to better the outcome <laughs> uh, or to, or to break a cycle in some ways. One, th one word that you mentioned made me want to ask further questions was um, the idea of resistance. Yeah. So you, said, so you said, you said you're resistant. Do you mind opening up a little bit about, about that word um, sure. in, in that context? Sure. Yeah, let's do it. It's resistance is, is interesting. I think it goes, it's, it is anything, anytime you're resistant and this happens every day. It's like, Oh, I don't want to get up in the morning. Oh, I think yoga is dumb. Oh, you know, I, you know, anytime you kind of feel that creep up, I feel like it's because you're trying to be attached to another outcome. And so for me in this experience, and I really wouldn't call it a moment per se, I'd call it more of a turning point just because it was a series of moments. And there were a couple of layers of resistance for me. So I was, you know, I was bouldering inside, climbing some dumb, easy boulder problem and sort of went for the top hold and missed it and fell, you know, maybe 10 or 12 feet to a mat thought nothing of it and just kind of went about my day or week or whatever. And so when I developed this, like really basically the sciatica, this pain, this like compressed disc pain a few weeks later, um, the first, the first thing of resistance was completely to ignore it. And it's like, Oh, that has nothing to do with anything really. It'll just go away on its own. And I think that's a thought pattern that you see a lot of times with health issues. People just, yeah health issues, mental health issues, awareness issues. You know, I'm not trying to be too general about it, but I truly believe that that's a pattern that you see all the time and people aren't like really self-aware about it. What's the first reaction? It's like, oh, just make this thing go away. You know, who, who cares why it doesn't matter. I just wanted to live my life. And so that's a form of resistance too. And that's definitely the path that I took at first. Ultimately that didn't work out because uh, of more resistance, you know, doctors and orthopedists being like, oh, surgery is a great option. And I was like, yeah, I don't think so. I'm going to resist that. Yeah. <laughs> that. That was ultimately a good resistance because it led to like more holistic outcomes and so much learning and a, and a path that really does mark a turning point in my life. But yeah, I was resistant to that too. And then I started to go to yoga just because, you know what, fuck it. Let's just see what that does. And I was resistant to that too. That was, a, that was really hard. I was like, this is a really slow, boring activity. Wow, how slow and boring. And it wasn't until I could actually free myself from that, that resistance and just sort of be open to what is in the same way that we were talking about early on in this conversation about you know, COVID and just like ways of life that have changed. It wasn't until then that I realized, oh, oh, wow, this is actually like, this is incredibly powerful. There's so much here. There's so much about the body mind that's connected. There's so much of your own pain that you can manage. 
there's so much that you can do that you don't think that you can do. And actually you're just getting in your own way. Yeah. The resistance that I feel, and I, and I have two thoughts based on that was it's healthy habit building. Um, it's, mm -hmm. it's resistance until that habit is built, but it has to be a healthy habit to make, make a positive change. Right. It's like, I think as a society, we are, we are prone to, we are sitting way too much. We're not active enough, or you're, you're into, uh, at the time of an injury, you're doing some, maybe some heavier exercise. Maybe you're, maybe you're into more hit classes and CrossFit type exercise. Um, and now it's like, well, I need, I need to do something else as a, as a habit that I can do to um, supplement all of that. And maybe it's something that you're not so familiar with. So you jump into it. Um, that was, that's my first thought is like, well, we need to have some healthy habits being built. Um, yoga sounds like a great healthy habit for what you have going on. And I hope it's been really helpful for you. The other thing that that that's that I've been interested in, and this idea, you know, obviously as a physical therapist, um, I'm I'm so interested in in pain and how it becomes chronic, um, mm. and there's a lot of different aspects to that. What I see a lot of the times, uh, and through my own experiences, I deal I deal with some back pain as well. Mm. Is I think a lot of us, we may see it as resistance, maybe going to the doctor or being proactive, but I think a lot of us are optimists when it comes to our pain. And it's sure. just going to get better. It's just going to go away. It's going to be better tomorrow when I wake up in the morning. And I think that optimism, it, it's, it's so healthy in a lot of ways. But in that, in that scenario, it's, again, knowledge is power. It's like if you don't, if you don't really truly understand what's going on, maybe, maybe you are leaving yourself, leaving yourself a little bit more susceptible to, to injury or, or further decline if it is something a little bit more serious. I think overall that, that idea, and most of the time it does, it does just take care of itself and over over six to eight weeks it, it's better and whatnot but like in the cases that it's not it's so important to to then say okay like there needs to be a tipping point there needs to be this like light bulb to say okay this isn't going away what do i need to do who do i need to talk to where do i obtain the knowledge that i need to feel confident that this is going to be better and not happen again and then that's and i know that we've talked a lot uh, personally about this but like where do we go where do yeah. we go? Who do we talk to? How do you know what, what that is? Yeah. How do you know? So how do you even know to reach out to somebody? I mean, where, what right. is that point for you? Yeah. It's a really good question. And really, hopefully, I, you know, the first thing that people are going to do is, is talk to the people closest to them, friends and family. And really, if you have one person in your circle that has been through something, like you're going to take their word for it, even if it's good or bad advice, or if it's not exactly the same. And is that good enough? Are they going to be led down the right path? And Again, as a physical therapist and in my experience, I don't think many people do go down that right path after a while. You know, I think you're absolutely right. As social creatures and as re really as social creatures who very much depend on our networks for everything, you're yeah. going to ask a couple of your friends, not only about this, but about any of the other stressors, and you're going to go down a path that they suggest. So, Right. And I think... To piggyback off that a little bit is you you brought up this idea of like social circles. Now it's like if I was to if I was to look at myself as an eighteen year old, and again that's a whole lot of immaturity that was there. My social circle was was tight, and I knew everybody around me pretty well. Growing, I grew up in a very small town, five thousand people. I not only knew like my really close social circle, but I knew pretty much everybody in my town, and everybody Amazing. knew me. Wow. Everybody knew me, which is uh, you know a lot of pressure in a really really weird different way. It's a very tribal way if you kind it, of think about it. it. It is. And I think, I think it, it promotes some things and I think it's, it stymies others. But with, with this idea of expanding our social circle so much, not only did, did both of us go to uh, get, our, get our undergraduate degrees, it's like now we've got this, this huge other explosion of both uh, geographic region and friends. Um, we've got Facebook, Instagram, all these other social media types that now now our like perceived social circle is massive. It's 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 a thousand people sometimes. Then you're asking that group of people, and nobody knows you very well. Well, not to mention work. I mean, the way right, that that's right. evolved in our society, which is huge. Which you know, you're talking about sitting too much. You're talking about all of these things. But the norm now is to kind of get a new job every couple of years in most industries. That's very different from it was 10 or even 50 years ago, where you have these overlapping circles of communities and tribes that you just never had. Yeah. And, uh, and, and they're, less, they're, they're less deep relationships than the ones that you would have grown up with in a town of 5,000 people. So they really don't know you. Right. And then it's like, then who's, who is that person to give me advice? 
because I think a lot of people have, have their voices have grown in this place. And now you don't really know me. So can you really give me good sound advice if you don't, if you don't know at least a little bit about my background, the injury that I'm dealing with, if we're still using that example, how can I, tr how can I trust what you're telling me? And you, and you kind of, you have to really, yeah, yeah you have to take charge of that yourself is I think what you, what I, what I found out. Right. Because but orthopedist, Stephen, I mean, they assume that you're not either proactive or a healthy person or don't eat a certain way. No one asks those questions. And so I think most people end up getting a surgery that they really don't need. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And it's all, it also brings up uh, the thought of accountability. If, if a friend, a close friend of mine was to ask me something physical therapy related, I'm almost like personally invested in that beyond professionally invested in that. I'm obviously going to give my advice as, and as best as I can and try to help them. But if I am throwing this idea out to a random person on the street that just so happened to hear in conversation on physical therapist and ask me a question, well, I'm not accountable for what happens after that at all. I don't know enough about this other person that just walked into my life for a moment to right. give and the same advice. You're right. And, and, and we don't have the time to connect with each other anymore. Right. The transactional nature of our lives now, it's actually something I have a lot of, a lot of trouble with in, in daily life. You know, like you, I sort of tend to cultivate, I, you know, I have a bigger social circle and I have a job and stuff, but I, t I like to have deeper relationships with a couple of people yeah. rather than necessarily like go out every night and just, you know, spread all of my energy around. Yeah. But so, um, I think, you know, it, it, it also just really quickly is relevant to the pandemic because you see people talking now and it, it really, it, it, it's, it's kind of boring and it's simpler, but it reminds you of the depth of some of the connections we used to have. Right. I agree. How big do you think your pretty tight social circle is? Like how many people? There's probably 10 people that I consider to be like close, close friends and maybe five that I consider to be like very close friends. Yeah. So something like that, something that, and something that prompted me to ask this, this first question, which obviously we've been talking about for a while now was the fact that I can look at my social circle and it's between 15 and 20 people, my guess, maybe, yeah. maybe 25 and I started thinking geographically co-located though. No, no, okay. like throughout my life. So it's not. That's like, so that's interesting too. Yeah. So it's like people that I people that I grew up with that I was really mm -hmm. close with. Through each stage of my life, I've grabbed maybe three to three to four people that I've really stayed connected with. You know. Oh, so overall, bro, you'd say bro, you have yeah. three to four people total that are like from, really from, from each stage of my life. So like okay. three to four okay. close friends from high school. I have, school, I have three to three. Yeah, exactly. Just school. like that. Yeah, yeah exactly. So mm -hmm. I got to thinking what's missing uh, from some of these friendships. Why, why do, why do other friendships kind of fizzle out and I'm not interested anymore? And, oh my gosh, and I, fascinating. Yeah. and I realized looking back, especially with grad school and you're, you're around a lot of like-minded people at that point, you know, people are, people are more interested in asking some deeper understanding questions, which is, which is kind of taking me back to this place where I feel like I had a really great understanding of my childhood friends. Right. And it's like, now you go through undergrad, you go through your work life and you're like, well, these, these these relationships and friendships are good, but like, I don't, I don't have that deeper connection with some of these people. So this question came from a place of me being really curious about my own friends and realizing that even those people in my closest circle, a lot of people in that closest circle out of that 20, if I asked, if I, if I have this question for them, I don't know the answer. That's fascinating. And then I'm like, well, what, what is this friendship then? If I don't, if I don't know the most impactful moment or, or time or experience, and this is like, it could, be, it could be your parents' divorce that impacted you and how and really how it impacted you. If I don't know the answer to that, can I really consider you a close friend? Can I consider myself a close friend of yours? And it, got me, and it kind of got me feeling like guilty in a way. And I'm just yeah, like, well, yeah, oh, sure. like, like, what am I doing? I, shouldn't I ask or should I should, try to be closer there? Yeah. Shouldn't I know this person better than I, I've spent so much time with them and I've never asked this question and we've talked about meaningless bullshit. Do you think years. that you would have, well, I mean, but like maybe this, this is, this really gets to the core of that question right. that you're yeah. saying, why are they your yeah. friends? I mean, I right. think you're making a point here that, yeah. that I'm going to let you get to, but I have a lot to say about this. 
it's hard. And the more that I talk about it and ask these questions, the more thoughts I have on it. Are we scared and afraid to ask those questions? There's, is there some sort of social construct that we live under? No, I love those us? questions. I love yeah. that you're asking it. It's a vulnerable question, but let's get in there because I, you know, I would venture to say that for your closest friends, you probably know the five or 10 events that could have shifted and shaped their lives. You know, maybe especially of the childhood ones, just because you've been there alongside yeah. of them to witness the context. Right. And I would say, I mean, you know, the grad school ones and stuff like that. Yeah, maybe you weren't there alongside of them, but you share a level of sort of mutuality because you have gone through similar enough experiences in your professions. And I think this might be an interesting exercise to take two people and sort of ask them about each other. It's kind of like a dating game, but a friendship game and really understand what those things are. Because I'm thinking about it now and I bet you for like my kind of five or 10, those close friends that I talk to every day, Mm -hmm. I bet you I could narrow down what the multiple choice answers to that were. I think you would be able to, yeah. too. Yeah, I, and I, I think I would definitely be able to do that for my childhood friends. Undergrad friends may be a little bit foggier than my grad school friends or my work friends, for sure, too. But it was just interesting to me that something that I feel is so important um, that I wish people would, would know and understand about me, because, again, it's going to paint this person in a, in a very different light and hopefully provide moments of compassion and empathy when things, when things don't seem to be going very well which we're all victim to. Which we're all victim to. And you're, and you're so right, because when things don't go well, we sort of revert to this state. And some of those triggers might have started in childhood. You might have been five years old. You might have right. been 10 years old. You might have never had a chance to talk about that with your coworker. So it is, it is a fascinating question. Yeah. And if I had some bias in terms of what I, would, what I would hear when I would ask that question, I thought it would almost always be a negative experience something negative. And then I was like, well, why does it have to be negative things that shape us? Um, I won't give away who in terms of who I talked about that, that actually gave a positive. Uh, and I was surprised and I was like, oh shit, I want to stick my foot in my mouth right now because I felt, I felt this way. I still think it's going to lean heavily towards the negative, but I, you know, I think it's encouraging if there are people out there that feel like the biggest and most impactful moment or experience. Again, I, I, I want to, make sure we can widen the gap and not just have like a moment, but like experience was a positive one versus a negative one. I'm like, okay, well, how do, how do we do that? How do we make sure that, you know, our progeny are having that perspective versus being, having these like big negative events be the things that shape them? I love that. I love that conversation. It's such a modern conversation to really be having. It's not something, these, these tools are not necessarily something that I think our parents' generation even had access to you're talking about positive and negative experiences. You're talking about a subjective layer of emotion on top of something that objectively happened. And so for that reason, you know, I don't even know if that's the right label. I don't even know if we can call it object, uh, positive or negative. Like, you know, I, I told you a thing that really reshaped the way that my brain completely processed the role of exercise and nutrition in life. The idea that you should be master of your own fate, it it really kind of reinforced that and made it a driving factor for me. You know, overall, I would say that's a positive. Yeah, for sure. You know, that could be a negative. Who knows? I mean, one of the things I I truly fucking love right now is there's this guy, Arno uh, Ilner, and he, he wrote a book called The Rock Warrior's Way. And the whole book, honestly, is about rock climbing, but it's really about life. Yeah. And so he talks about being extremely objective about the holds that are in front of you. You don't call it good. You don't call it bad. That crimp could be a really good side pull. Good, bad. The brain wants to know what's good and bad. It's not good or bad. It's just there. You know, I had this injury. It was bad, whatever. A good outcome resulted from it. Maybe the outcome is bad. I also, you know, I lost my house in a house fire when I was in eighth grade. That was, I guess, objectively bad, maybe, but really all it, all it meant was a chance to realize that possessions are possessions. I don't even think about that event half the time. So, you know, it's just, it's just a funny way to characterize life events and life experiences. Yeah. And I think all these things, regardless, are going to drive in whether this idea of good and bad, what kind of coping mechanisms came from that event. I love that. That's really the question, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it, it really is. And for me, it's like looking back on my childhood a little bit. You know, my upbringing, there was, there was some stress and my relationship with my parents uh, has ebbed and flowed with time. 
I didn't have a great relationship with my father growing up. I think I'm closer to him now than I've, than I've ever been in my life. Um, albeit I'm, you know, 1500 miles away and have been for over 10 years. I look back at that and I, I look at the development of a lot of negative coping strategies and poor coping strategies as a child that I've had to work through as an adult. And again, leads to positive, leads to reflection, leads to better coping strategies being, being developed. A lot of positive, reflective thinking strategies more in the moment and getting faster and better at, at recognizing some of my deficits, let's call them. That sounds um, like some really good stuff going on. Right, I mean, right. And, and all uncovering that, new truths and, you know, all of that. Right. Is, and all of that is positive, right? And I, would, and I would totally agree with you, but it certainly has or did at least cause some cause a lot of struggle from my my formative years let's call them that to the time when i was like maybe in my late 20s like a lot of struggle came from those experiences and it took me a lot of time to to work through that but it's like here i am i'm you know if i had to answer that stress question today maybe at a one i've one out of ten i've felt zero out of 10 for the last like week. But again, that's, that's like, if I'm putting myself in a silo and not looking at the outside world, I think like, sure. again, I'm, I'm, I'm worried about all these other things. I'm worried about uh, not only with coronavirus and the climate, but also just societal changes, our lack of activity. Um, again, I'm biased as a physical therapist, but totally worried about all these bigger things that I know as one individual, I can't make huge difference in at least, at least not at this moment in time. So, you know, again, looking back, is this, is this positive, is this negative? When I look back on that time in my life, I see it as a negative. But if I reflect on it more than yes, like so much, probably most of the positive attributes that I acquire or have now also came from that time. My work ethic is something that I, I definitely learned from my father. Tireless, I, I want to do everything to the fullest of my capability when I do it. Um, I also have this um, desire to not overextend myself because I know where it will push me mm. if I do to avoid that place in a lot of ways. So I, I have a good idea where that line that I shouldn't cross is. And that's because of the work that I put in because of some of the perceived negatives that I had early in my life. It's so interesting. I mean, I think I think I can really re relate a lot to some of the things that you're saying, especially around like discipline and having to extend yourself and do everything. And, you know, it sort of leads to this, like so many things that you do, chaotic adaption, you know, even my resistance just for the listeners for context is like, yeah, you want to be resistance to something that doesn't produce output for yourself because we're also conditioned to produce, produce, produce. And so yeah. I'm glad that we're, you know, I don't, sometimes I wonder if it's a societal abundance that we see now that lets us spend more time contemplating these questions. Maybe our parents didn't have the resources to do that. We certainly do. It's, it's a thankful thing. But it also makes me think about what the goals are because, you know, you keep saying in the positive way, in the positive way, ultimately, why are we doing any of this? Who, who cares even really? Yeah. And for me, like, that's, that's something I spend a lot of time thinking about. You know, what, what is, what, why are we trying to get better at anything? Well, ultimately it's happiness. Mm -hmm. We're all trying to be happy. We're trying yeah. to cope. And so there's, there's a, yeah. yeah, yeah. There's just, it's, it's really interesting. There's a ton of happiness research out there right now. There's some really good online classes and stuff. And my friends and I've been talking about this, but you know, you're talking about overcoming negative experiences that to become a certain way. And I think in our culture, we don't really have this idea of, of doing that kind of work you have to sort of grow up and seek it out yourself. And like so many things, a lot of the physical therapy stuff, the financial education, um, you know, it, it's, it's crazy. Like in Sweden, I, I think I forgot the actual word that they use. We should look it up and put it in the notes or something, but they, they actually teach the kids coping strategies as part of their education. Yeah, which you is know, amazing. Of course they do, which is amazing. And so, you know, it's, you know, happiness to me, it's this lightness of being, it's the ability to adapt. It's like, it's love. It's all these things that I've, sort of had to come to. And so really, if it doesn't meet those goals, I sort of try not to do it. Yeah, I, I feel you there. It's also interesting to be like, okay, well, happiness, we, how, do, how do we acquire that? Is that something that, that we are reliant upon others for? Or is that something that we're responsible to cultivate in, our, in ourselves? Right? And I think that's another, another thing that I see with social media platforms is like, I feel like it's a, and again, this is just my opinion. It's people seeking validation because they can't, they can't find a way to kind of self-soothe. 
and mm. to 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 cultivate the happiness in their in themselves, which I think is a, an immensely important strategy and goal to have. Like like how do we, how do we how do we yeah, find absolutely. these things ourselves? How do we make our happiness independent of how other people are reacting? Not to be selfish in a way. I don't I don't want that to be the case either. But like and I and I want you to have a positive influence on those around you. I don't want you to be like. I'm going to do this and this, and this is what makes me happy and fuck everyone else. That's not how it can be either. Coming from a place of like self-awareness and I need to help others. And this, this yeah, altruisticness yeah. when it comes to your happiness. Well, I mean, you, you bring up an incredible point because a lot of the happiness research points to the, the fact that, you know, happiness is this ephemeral thing. It's this treadmill that you, it's, it's hedonic. You get there and then you want something else. You think it's an external condition. Well, it's not, it's not a status thing. It's not, an object there's no permanence but the one thing that does bring permanent satisfaction or happiness to people is helping others and that's about yeah. it that's about the only thing that helps so and then the question is is can it then truly be something that you can just be around yourself you are essentially you're just still reliant on other people because you're trying to help them for your happiness well that's true but we are a very social species right and i mean right. with you and your profession as a pt too it's like you have to help people and you have yep. to like helping people but like you have the opportunity to actually really help people every day directly and so yep. I, you know i ultimately we do all this crap every day but i really think we're just chasing ourselves around for the opportunity to be happy yeah yeah and even so it's like we may say like yeah like my job my job is physically helping people and trying to get them back to um, some prior state that they that they used to be in or maximizing their outcomes after a, a gruesome injury. As soon as I clock out, I feel just like everyone else. I'm exhausted. I'm, I'm tired. I'm frustrated a lot of the time. The fact that I've been helping people all day for my job still doesn't feel like that alone is cultivating happiness. Mm -hmm because it certainly doesn't do that on a daily, weekly basis. I would love to have a side conversation with you at some point other than this, this interview, because yeah. there are so many interesting things that we really, that, that we could look at things a little bit differently yeah. and uh, yeah, and train ourselves to be happy. And yeah. I think they're all worthwhile. Okay. I've taken a lot of time with that question. Obviously part of this whole thing is I do want to just let rabbit holes happen because I think really interesting conversation comes from that. Um, but I want to that out. Yeah, of course. <laughs> But I wanted to turn it over to you and give you some time to, to talk about whatever you brought to the table this evening and go yeah. wherever you want to go with it. Yeah, sure. I mean, initially, to be honest, I had been thinking about this from a perspective of health just because we tend to talk a lot about health. And it's been on my mind a lot, too, because mental and physical health are so directly related. Yeah. And watching the entire world, I mean, this is so unprecedented to me to be able to watch literally everybody in every developed country shift at the same time. We've never been more united as a species. This is so interesting. This is why I can't get any work done. I mean, this is like, how can you get any work? How could anyone possibly get any work done? This is insane what's happening right now. Yeah. There's just so many things. Uh, there, there are two different ways that people sort of, you know, again, look at these, these uncertainty outcomes, these shifts, but um, I, you know, I was kind of wanting to talk about the idea of recovery and energy. And I actually think that we can even combine those topics because I think we're going through a global recovery right now in, in some ways, in this very compassionate bid to sort of take care of the most vulnerable people in our uh, populations, which is actually, I mean, the fact that it took this to do that is sad, but the fact that we're doing it is actually sends me reeling. It's just so remarkable. Yeah. And so we've, we've been forced to enter this period of recovery, which is really an interesting topic for me personally, given, I mean, actually given my, my turning point of, of like having to like slow down and embrace yoga as like a, a therapeutic modality that completely changed the way that I think about life and, and everything. But, you know, recovery is interesting to me because the idea of goal setting comes into play. And the, and the question is, like, when do you take a break from your goals? What do you do as a society or as a human, one person, to take a step back from your goals and let yourself rest? And so, you know, from like kind of a CrossFit or whatever, uh, from like a physical fitness perspective, you might have one rest day built into your schedule. And, and that's great. And that's probably all you need, actually, if, you're, if, if we're on some kind of active recovery day. 
But right now, I have just been thinking about the idea of allowing yourself room to think, letting in, like letting yourself honestly grieve about some of the, the things that you've, you know, people have lost, like your jobs, yeah. your potential futures. Maybe you're in a long distance relationship. You know, I don't know, all kinds of things. I mean, for me, everything that I thought was fun was completely taken away. And I was kind of grief stricken for a while because I don't spend much time at home at all. I love to go out and about. I don't really eat at home. You know, I'm like working out three times a day. Now I'm working out zero times a day. That that took a lot of embracing. But for me, I think um, there's this idea of recovery around just letting in the newness of new things and letting that rest and being realistic with goals and sort of like not being in that checklist mode and um, I've, I've really been leading into that. Yeah. And I don't know where it's going to go. And I'm not sure if everyone else is taking this mindset. But I, I will say, and, and just to give a little bit more concreteness to this topic, when we first got into lockdown and I realized, oh, we're all going to not only have to work from home, which some of us are very bad at doing, I will say, but we're going to lose all of our fitness routines. And some of us like to go to the gym in the morning at lunch and maybe do climbing at night and that's gone and that's all coping and, and like anxiety releasing stuff really. And, and, you know, we just love to do it. So it all just goes up in the air and it's really funny because right now like hangboards are sold out globally and everyone's just, you know, inside trying to figure out ways to tit for tat, replace their, their mechanisms. But I actually think that's the wrong approach. Once again, like I, I am, I am really convinced that the right approach right now is to look at everything objectively, the way that it is given the current restrictions or given the current sort of like constraints in this problem that we're in. And how do you live your values given these new constraints, instead of sort of porting over your old behaviors and your old sessions into, into this and I learned that again through resistance because at first I did the spreadsheet and I was like every day, 7 a.m. is a three mile run. And then it's this mobility routine from eight to nine. And then, you know, every day from five to six, it's a, but no, it doesn't work that way. It hasn't worked that way at all, but it has been interesting to see the entire world embracing, you know, things like yoga online, which has already been online for a very long time. Yeah. And so it was poised to sort of take over in, in a sense for a whole bunch of the population, I would, I would venture to bet it's the most popular online thing right now in terms of, you know, the digital classes and things like that. And they're actually emulating a lot of things about live classes that are really compelling. I mean, I would venture to say also that it's probably more compelling for people to go to a class where you get an alert and say, you know, oh, Adrian's teaching at six tonight, show up versus something that's pre-recorded and pre-available. You know, the, that kind of limited factor of it creates this like interesting like compulsion to attend. So I, the, watching that's been really interesting, but I think that we are all just having to, um, to shift. And I think that's part of recovery right now. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think, I think being creative and finding new ways to achieve similar things is, is really important. With the shift to being at home and working, compared to your typical workday, are you, are you moving more or less? Oh, that's such a good question. I thought I was going to be moving a lot more. I thought it was going to be an opportunity for radical personal revolution. However, because the requirements of work are so much more meeting heavy now without actually passing each other, I'm moving far less. That three times a day of movement has turned into usually like one to zero times a day. Wow. So yeah, it's definitely been, and you know, it's a transition period, but it's been it's been a lot less and I, I would bet it's probably similar for a lot of folks out there. Yeah. And also like, how, how do you, how's your body feel because of that? Is, do you notice, do you notice that there's been a change and a shift, a negative shift because you're moving less? Yeah, yeah, definitely. There's like aches and pains that weren't there before. Um, mm-hmm. The, the back injury has flared up and like the, you know, it starts to kind of like pulse in, in a, it's like a nerve issue, you know, with sciatica. So you kind of start to feel it going down the leg. I mean, I know how to manage this, but, you know, um, tomorrow you know, be that's better, for right? me personally. I have a lot of friends. <laughs> it'll be better. I'm going to do a yoga and it'll actually go away because I know how to manage the pain at this point. But, you know, it's, it's different for a lot of people. I see a lot of people running, biking every day. Their cardio is probably feeling great, I hope. You know, they're probably eating at home more too, which might help. 
but I, you know, my energy level and my sleep and everything is completely dysregulated right now, but I'm still taking that holistically as part of recovery because it's yeah. part of recovery of the whole instead of, of recovery physically just of like the body or whatever. Yeah. yeah. You know, my climbing, like I'm not going to be able, I couldn't hang on to like a sloper hole right now. And I just, I would probably fall off. So that objectively feels worse. Uh, my cardio objectively feels worse. And weaker, but you know, you use the little things. Like we moved a couch today; that was a bit of a workout. Um, yeah. Yoga is always there, so you know, I, I don't feel, I don't think the body feels great, but I also am not confident that, you know, I can't step it up to the level that it was before. Right, right. now, yes, it takes so. time. It takes time, and and I think from a mental health perspective, it's like, yeah, you can you can sit there and you can call yourself a piece of shit for not doing all this stuff. Like, but what's the point? Exactly, and that's what I'm saying. Crazy. Exactly. But that's, no that's what that <laughs> recover, part of recovery is acceptance. And so this right. is acceptance. Right. And then you can hit it hard again. Next time you have the opportunity to hit it hard. You know, I've been lucky. I've had the opportunity to hit it hard for like the last five years. So this is actually okay. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, what about you actually? I'm, I'm, I'm curious. How do you feel? Have you been, you know, um, I think, I think some of the aches and pains are, are increased. And I think, I think similarly, like I've been, I've been a little less active. I've been doing like a been sitting down to think about stuff like this a lot. I have uh, picked up a, a regular meditation practice, which I haven't done in a long time, which I think is, has been really helpful. I've been doing a lot of gardening. I've been in my yard and, and doing all this other stuff too. So it's like, there's some functional stuff that I'm doing in terms of exercise intermittently, maybe like, I don't know, three, three, three or four workouts in the last two weeks. Like I'm not doing anything, so unusual like, for anything us. heavy. I mean, so it's like, yeah. you know, and, and again, it's, I'm, it's body weight, it's plyos, it's core work, um, all the things that I know help me. So yeah. it's more like what I've, what I've noticed that's been a big positive shift though, is I've, I've just, my sleep hygiene has been great. Really? Um, minus the last, minus the last like couple of nights, we've got like these blue blocker, like glasses that we put on if we're on, if we're on uh, like a device at night, I didn't do that three nights ago and watched a movie in bed, slept like shit. The that, is, that is fascinating. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, again, it's like, it's stirring all these questions and it's like, I, you know, you put these things on and you're like, these, it's not making a difference. I'm just going to, I'm doing this because this is what they're telling me to do. And there's some research out there to support it. It makes a difference. It really, oh, wow. that, at, least, yeah, no, that's, at least, at least for me, it really does. That's sleep is important in a time like this too. Yeah. And you're, you're bringing up a really good point because I've been trying to have good sleep hygiene because if your pillars are good, your food, your sleep, right your exercise, everything else is easier. Look, we all know this at least, you know, from some basic level, but actually the sleep, despite like using a magnesium and a sleep mask has been absolute shit. And that definitely goes back to the workout stuff because yeah. if you don't move, it's hard to sleep. Yeah. And it's like, it's, it's just so interesting too. And booze, booze. Like, yeah. Medication. I'm having, I'm having like, I'm having like maybe a, maybe a, maybe a beer every other night or something like that. But again, the last, the last two, the last two nights, April 10th, I get a call from like some of my, my old friends, a zoom call and they're all, they all have a beer. So it's like, Oh, I'll I'll grab one. I was talking to them for like maybe an hour and a half. And then I come back inside and I play cards with my roommates and I have another beer. Stayed up later than I typically do. Woke up the next morning. I feel like shit. I'm tired. I don't want to get out of bed. (laughs) And then then last night was similar. Again, I'm up later. I, I drink a bottle of wine with dinner uh, it's my birthday. Like, like I'm up late. Woke up today. Didn't want to get out of bed. I had this interview at ten o'clock uh, this morning. How'd it go? Actually, I mean, it went it went fine. It went fine. But I had to like drag my ass out of bed at nine, which is so atypical. I'm usually still going to bed at like nine to nine thirty, and waking up at like five thirty or six, feeling good. But see, thing, this like, is this good. is resistance right here. I mean, because yeah. you're this is a new world now for all of us. I mean, this is this is what we do now, and I, I, and we're so attached to our routines and our bedtimes and our health habits. But you know what, what what's happening to my body now that I'm running twice a week and biking three times a week instead of well, I wanted to do it five times each a week. Remember, so that's like a mm-hmm. terrible. But you know, the the injuries and like the body is shifting very differently. The impact from the running is much worse than the normal impact no impact. Weightlifting is no impact. Climbing is no impact. Those things are, are very easy on the body. Running and biking, you know, I have a lot of hip flexor tightness. My quads are sore. My back hurts. This is like, I feel like an old man. I mean, this is, this is not good right now, but you know, 
I'll, I'll do anything at this point just to replace it. And that's resistance too. So yeah. Yeah. We'll like, yeah. I've been, I've been feeling good. Like other than the last three days, like I, I feel mentally sharper. I feel like I'm, I'm doing things. I'm be, being very productive throughout the day, even though I don't have to be. And I think that's another interesting thing to think about is like, I don't have to be, there's no pressure on me to do any of this. Um, but I'm like, I'm wanting to explore these things that I, that I, that I have put on the back burner for a long time that I said I was going to get to. And now I'm like, well, I have this time. Like, this is awesome. Like, I want to, I want to explore these things. I want to, I want to work on this other side project that we're working on together. I want to, I want to explore some of the thoughts and questions that I think are provoking in ways. Maybe it's going to be interesting in a podcast. And I think it's turning out to be that way. I'm able to, to work on some, some other things that I'm passionate about outside of, outside of physical therapy and physical and physical activity. Um, and I think this is me stepping away from that a little bit. That's and me saying like, cool. like, like, no, I want to, I want to focus on my mind and, and, and exploring some of these other things and discussing human nature and uh, fostering relationships That's right? that, that, that I've neglected for a long time. So, yeah, I think that brings us to our, my last point, my second point that I was really interested in talking about, which is again, um, not wellness related, but is just life related. And that is in this time and always when you're trying to self-regulate, what do you do? to maintain your level of energy. So it sounds like you're doing a lot of back, backlog stuff that really excites you and energizes yeah, you. Yes, and absolutely. that's so exciting to hear. Like yeah. there's nothing that energizes me more than hearing about what energizes you. So that's, that is awesome and I love that. Yeah. Um, but you know, I went around yesterday with a group that I was quarantining with and we talked about the things that brought us energy and like, they're very different for everybody. But I think that helping that, that understanding what drives your motor helps you to manage yourself. I just wanted to share, you know, a couple of things that I thought Absolutely. were energizing and a couple of things that they thought were energizing. So for, yeah, yeah. So for me, it's actually, um, I love the, the sense of adventure, adventure, freedom or possibility that open-endedness. It's, and that's actually what we're in now, in a sense. Yeah, very much so. It's depressing, which is the opposite of energizing, but it's also energizing because you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. I actually realized that I'm much more energized in the evening hours. I feel better when it's dusk out and not super sunny. Don't know what that is, but knowing that about yourself helps you plan your day. Mm -hmm. And... Um, Obviously, exercise, which to me includes any kind of energy moving around physically, so physically exercising, physically moving objects, anything like that creates energy. And so updating these kind of, I don't know, truths or realities or whatever it is, is interesting and useful. But here's, here's a couple things that other people said that energized them. Um, flow states. So trying to enter a flow state with an activity that they love was energizing to a friend of mine. Uh, appreciation was something else that someone said too. Now that doesn't happen to energize me at all. It makes me happy, but it doesn't energize me. It doesn't make yeah. me want to get up and, and motivate me out of a funk. And this one was interesting. Uh, someone mentioned imagining that the day was the last day or the week was the last week that you would have in your life. And that spurs them to sort of think about things differently and creates a different perspective. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think, I think that that is an interesting one and obviously not, a, not anything new. And I think some of us should all be contemplating our mortality at this point, but yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm curious what, if I had that mindset, like what would I, what would I do with it? If, if this was like a, well, if this was my last day or my last week, what would I do? Would I be more productive and energetic to do well, something? Let's, let's ask what, you, I mean, yeah, yeah, you, Scott, yeah. it is your last and also, how is that answer different? If you have a yeah. you know one one year versus one day versus one week, yeah. I mean, I think that is a, a different thing. One day is like fly everyone in, have a fucking giant party, you know, of right. course. Right. But like, let's say you have a week. Let's say after a yeah. week, an asteroid hits Oregon and it blows up. What do you do differently this next week? It's so variable, and it depends on what kind of mood I'm in. My, but no, right my, now, like my, it's happening. On, it's happening next Saturday. Okay. Um, yeah. I'm probably, shit, probably driving as far north as I possibly can and being in the wilderness somewhere. I would, I would love to just sit underneath the Northern Lights and just stare, you know, that's something that I would that really love to really do. Cool. 
and just and just witness something really spectacular and uh, just be with this be with nature and something that's greater than than just yeah, you and and have have like my significant other with me and just and just and just be right it wouldn't mm-hmm. have to be this like extravagant mm-hmm. thing it would be something it would probably be something simple like that to where i'd, I'd want to just feel like i'd want to feel small Mm-hmm. I'd want to know, I would, I would want to be in touch with my insignificance in this world. And especially if it was like an asteroid, like, oh yeah, oh, we, yeah. Are, it's an asteroid. We, are, we are worthless. We yeah. are, we are, <laughs> we are we less are, than worthless. We are dust specks on a ball floating through this endless, whatever we are floating. Which, through. which indeed we are. And, we, we, and I know, I, exactly. And I actually feel like I know you better now from asking that question. That's great. Yeah. So it's like, that's, that's probably what I would do. Again, I'm sitting here at my desk in my bookshelves. And I'm like, shit is worthless. <laughs> <laughs> now, that, now that you asked me that question, I'm like, all oh, this shit is nothing. Uh, yeah. I need to sure live in a van. Is. <laughs> sure is. One day we'll go on a camping trip in my van. It'll be tons Hell of fun. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. But I mean, what would you do? Yeah, a week is not that long. And I again, this asteroid is coming Saturday. Like this yeah. is in, in the current circumstances, like nothing is different. I'll tell you what the hell I would do. I would get in my van and spend the week going around visiting everyone because if we're infected, we can't infect others. We're all going to die anyway. Yeah. So I would, I would spend the time connecting with people I love and that brings me a lot of joy. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, yeah, it's a, and that's, that's obviously another perspective and it makes me, makes me think about all, if I was to do something like that, like all the sadness that I would probably contemplate in that time, especially if I'm there and I can't go anywhere after that, like... I'm going to be stuck uh, in Northern Canada for seven days and I'm going to be, I'm going to be contemplating my family and my friends that I miss that I can't reach out to. Well, they're going to be gone too. So. Right. And again, and again, we're insignificant and and what is family and what is this and what is that? All those other philosophical questions. I mean, that's, these are, these are things a little nihilistic, but I, I too think about these things uh, all the time. So it's nice to know that someone else does. For sure. Is there anything else based on that topic that you want to discuss? You know, the energizing thing is just such an interesting thing to me. I, I, I love this. I love thinking about what energizes you because I think it changes over time and knowing what your triggers are and what your buttons are like really helps. But no, I, it just, it's a question that I think is worth checking in with yourself on every, every now and again, maybe every year or so. Yeah. yeah as much as possible. I think, I think it changes even on like a, like a day-to-day week-to-week depending on what your stress levels that's why i asked that question to start to start off the podcast just like well where are you right now um in terms of your mental capacity how easily are you going to handle um, some sort of perturbation i think uh, something that we didn't touch on yet today but it's come up in others so far is i get the sense that a lot of us are going through our work day and and this is just from my perspective, you may feel totally different on this. We are, we're operating so close to our threshold all the time. Mm. And, and that we, is true <clears throat> and interesting. Yeah. And we walk, we walk up dangerously to close. Right. And, and I think it, it really is dangerous. I really do think it's dangerous. I feel like I, I, I can recall times in my past where I'm like, I really need today to go well. I need to, I need, I need yeah. things to go according to plan today yes uh, or yes. like i'm gonna use the word snap that's not that's not something that i do i'm not like somebody that's gonna lash out or do anything but i'm just gonna like i'm gonna just feel dreadful if things don't go the way that i planned them for that you need them to go there. today right and i'm like yeah. this whole experience stepping back has allowed me to be like why why are we doing this to ourselves why are we operating like so close to our threshold day in and day out without this, again, without this rejuvenation or this, this, this uh, ability to uh, recover, uh, to use your word. It's like, why do we do that to ourselves? I think there's a lot of cultural reasons why we do that. But I think that one of, one of the things that is very deep to me and clear from taking this, I guess I would call it a break. I, I, I don't really feel like it's a break yet personally, but I think that's just because I've been moving and all this stuff, but I think that we are very much in charge of our own destiny. I think we have the ability to choose our tribe, how we spend our time and much more in today's world, but we are blinded to that fact. And so 
if anything is the most important lasting thing out of this for, for us, you know, Scott, you, you're going to have a job soon, I believe yeah. with your skill set and everything. And you have zero stress about it. I'm also not someone that stresses about like my own health. I have no, you know, I have zero contact with at risk people. I'm, you know, luckily healthy and, you know, blessed and whatever, but it, yeah, I think this, this idea of choice yeah. is, is huge. You don't have to do that. You can choose to do something else. Yeah. And I think let's, that's, let's that's, probably, that. that's probably what I'm going to change after this is I don't, I don't see myself working 40 hours a week anymore. I really don't. Um, and, I, and, and, I, and I feel comfortable and confident in the skills that I do have to, to essentially demand that and to convince somebody that it's still worth bringing me on at 30 hours or something like that because, because it's worth it. Because it's worth it to me. I'm, I'm nodding gonna, I'm vigorously. It's such a silly thing to think that we have to just push ourselves to our absolute limits at the cost of what? At the cost of our mental health, at the cost of our mental, mental well-being, at the cost of our gym routine, at the cost of our mindfulness routine, exploring yeah. things that we're interested in outside of work. We're Couldn't sacrificing so much. So much. I mean, I, that's why I quit and completely blew up my you know, Wall Street career. I was like, this is dumb. Why are we doing this? This is terrible. I don't understand. What is the reason? Again, I think it goes back to like, Happiness, joy, connection, flow states, all of that. Yeah, I agree. If you're not getting it, why does it matter? All right, Mira, it's a great talk. Thanks for spending some of your time with me on the podcast. I think, again, as I, as I tease through some of this stuff, it's, it's really important to have these types of conversations that unfold in the way that they did today. So really appreciate your time and energy as always. But let me know how you're doing as, as you're going through some change right now too. And yeah. keep, keep me posted. Let me know what I can do to help as well. Thank you so much. Um, thanks for your time and for your energy putting this together. Uh, I appreciate the chance to talk to you about topics that are really interesting and important and really form the core of anything. And uh, I get a lot of energy from talking to people about ideas. So it's been great um, and I appreciate it. All right. Well, with that, we'll sign off and we'll talk soon. Great. Talk to you soon. Take care. Take care. Hope you enjoyed the discussion today and that you join me next time on Zoom Out. Thanks for listening.